0: And welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up Podcast with myself, Daryl, and my co host, Ian. As always, it's finally fight week. Very, very excited uh, for this week. You can probably hear it in my voice, all the octaves going all over the place. Um, yeah, 280, UFC 280. Obviously, we'll come on to that. Uh, and we'll come on to what we've got planned, which is a little bit of something out there this week. But I think it's best to dive into boxing first. Obviously, recent events, we spent quite a lot of time on it last week. Um, Shields Marshall first?
1: Yep. I mean it was we've been talking about it for a little while. It was obviously uh postponed for about a week. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, wasn't it, because of uh Queen Elizabeth's passing, so it got rolled over. Um what was it starting with, with the main fight itself or undercar? Where did you want to start?
0: Either. Um I mean you might as well start on the fight just before because horrendous robbery as we seem to be
1: experiencing a lot these days in boxing. Uh Mayor Baumgartner? Um, yeah. if, if I'm pronouncing that right. You are, you um, are, spot on. Absolute robbery, in my opinion. Um, for some reason, it didn't seem in the press as um, as clear cut uh, for some reason, or people, that, you know, professionals and the people watching it uh, in, in the studio and on the car, we were both watching this, I know separately, not uh, together. I, I didn't see any way how Maya didn't absolutely outbox her. Um, I mean Baumgartner to me, one of the most one-dimensional box, professional boxers I've ever seen. She had nothing but a right hand. I was texting you while while we were watching the fight that she. I'm I'm not even close to a boxing coach, and she was making me pull out the very few strands of hair I've got left because she's fighting with her hands by her waist. She her, were her reactions and and her hand speed excellent. Absolutely you cannot be a professional boxer and keep your hands that low. I actually found it almost embarrassing for her coaches that they'd prepared her and let her fight in that manner. And what I was saying to you, uh, I I don't profess to be, uh, I've watched her many times before, that tells me that that the competition and the level of opponents she's fought before are awful, that she could get away with knocking them all out with that type of approach. Um, And the fact that she won was disgusting. She was clearly outboxed.
0: I mean, her punches themselves, she'd she landed quite a bit, to be fair. She didn't land anywhere near as much as Maya, but her, her actual landed punches seemed to do nothing whatsoever to uh, to Maya. It was just a simple sort of pillow fight, essentially, in that sense. And, yeah, I've no idea. I don't understand. She didn't land the more significant strikes. She didn't land more strikes. Um, I took quite a bit of pelters on Twitter during this because we were tweeting out as it were happening. Um I think I had losing by four rounds when it got to the decision. So there's absolutely no chance. And then, yeah, she lost. I was like, oh, okay.
1: I thought it was wider than that. From from memory, I I wasn't uh, as diligent as you were in terms of keeping my own scorecards. But um, I think I remember saying to you, maybe two rounds I thought she won, which was one early on and maybe one of the later rounds towards the end. Um, But I thought it was a complete robbery. Uh, we have talked on previous episodes about how corrupt boxing is and the only thing in my mind can surely be that the judges did that in order to give a rematch and set it up for another match. But I thought Mayer won that absolutely hands down and uh, was incredibly unlucky. Which obviously with the
0: classnessness, is that a word? Classnessness? No, Can I get away with that? <laughs> no.
1: The... <laughs> Good the, thing you the called the yourself out there because I was just ready. For the... <laughs>
0: uh, boxing. And in the fighters in general, where she comes out and says at the end,
1: no, I'm not giving her a, a rematch. Not a chance. She knew exactly what had happened there and she got away with that one. And the reason that she's not accepting another one is because she knows she probably wouldn't be that lucky with uh, uh, three other judges. And as you say, I think... Um, those three judges need to go to Specsavers because that was a
0: horrendous decision. I think she's on about moving up weight and that's going to be the excuse to try and get out of any rematch. But again, I'm sure there's rematch clauses. And...
1: We're in on a plus for Mayor. I thought, uh, all right, she didn't get the decision. She's got to walk away of that when knowing it's a robbery. Far the better overall boxer. I liked her very, very wide stance. I thought mm. it gave her a very good base and when... Baumgartner did hit her with some powerful punches she had that kind of base that seemed to mean that she could take it but I I was really impressed with Maren I I think it was a scandalous decision
0: yeah I thought she was very good um main event went exactly as you expected and exactly how I hoped it wouldn't have gone unfortunately I mean we had a an ongoing joke at the moment it seems to be even more of a joke at the moment that every single thing that I predict doesn't happen and it's the complete opposite
1: on so. main events now of boxing, we've had what's that three or four nil to me that they've all gone exactly the way that I've predicted. But I, let's be fair, it wasn't exactly like I was being particularly uh, controversial here by saying Shields by decision. Um, we had both discussed that you, you did say that you know you thought Marshall would 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 be able to hurt her if she if she did hit her. Um, shields was never going to knock her out, but no. two knockouts in twelve fights tells you enough that she hasn't got um, ferocious power, but outclassed. I, I think a, to be honest. Absolutely. I, I, I was I was disappointed with Marshall. If I'm honest, I thought she didn't really. Whether the 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 um, the pressure of being the main event and, and the eyes on it as the as the you know the build up as as the biggest fight in women's history maybe got to her a little bit. Um, Shields did exactly what I thought she would do. I thought she was very technical, very composed. Um, and your your analogy from, from last week's episode she's like the Floyd of the female game you know? it, it
0: reminded me quite strongly of AJ Sick, the first one where everyone's expecting one person to absolutely storm through accepting that they're not the better boxer but they'll knock out because they'll, they'll get that one chance to knock him out but ultimately there was no chance to knock him out because Shields was just far, by far the better she's completely outclassed her um, no chance to land that one knockout punch because she couldn't get anywhere near her and it were a pretty wide um, scorecard I had in the end.
1: Any clamour for a rematch? I mean, I think it's, it's a hard one to pitch that. It's... You'll get
0: one because there isn't really anyone else and this is the the issue that you get with women's boxing. The, the selection of the better boxers is so, so narrow that essentially if you get a fight like this and it goes very one-sided... There isn't anyone that's going to step up and be like, you know what, I'll take it on now. It's almost certainly going to end up in a rematch. It'll probably be in America, because obviously Shields has come over here and, and fought in uh, <coughs> England for that exact reason, tried to get this sorted as quickly as possible. I'm sure that if there is a rematch clause, it's going to be back in her home country. But yeah, it's a difficult sell, I think, now. I think a lot of people were looking forward to this as I was I thought it would be quite a good matchup but then it just wasn't in the end unfortunately uh,
1: w- Was there a little bit uh, again maybe based on my own view here was there a bit of the let's call it the uh, Mayweather Connor there that the, the the key part of the build up was making it seem more competitive it was I would no, always said to you I... I didn't feel that Marshall was ever really she had a puncher's chance to coin that phrase, she, yeah, she, she... but I, I think
0: a lot of people have made a habit out of being big ones. You don't always have to necessarily, as you well know, be a good boxer to be a good boxer. Funnily enough, um, a lot of people have got by just solely on knockout power. You look at Wilder, he made a career of essentially, I can't box for the life of me, I'm going to try and knock you out, um, and, and flatten you out. And then, as soon as you come up against a good boxer, like with Fury, it just all falls to pieces. So I don't necessarily think it's a matter of they oversold it or overhyped it. I just think that Shields is quite far above everything else in that
1: division. Agreed. I mean, can I, if we're on this topic, I'd I said it's about you at the time, can I go off on a bit of a rant? How long have we got? I was really disappointed, if I was honest, in the production of the card. And what I mean by that is this is the biggest female boxing card ever undisputed I think across most people and I'm sat there watching gets to the main fight Shields comes out I think am I I watching a Pussycat Dolls concert she comes out with some cheerleaders and does a pre-made dance set can you imagine AJ Fury Usyk doing that I, I I thought it completely removed the genuine sense of the card the the sport and the, the 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 achievement by kind of downplaying it and make it into this concert-y sort of feel and uh, maybe I'm being harsh here, but you don't see that in mailboxing. That is not a sexist comment in in, in any way. But I just I, I don't know why they did that. You like to put yourself on chopping block, don't you? I do. I, do, I, I I'll I'll say it as it is. I, I, it wasn't necessary. I think it, the, the, the level of that sport that it was. I didn't. Nobody watching that is like yeah. Give me some dancing. I want to intersperse that with, with people fighting and doing the sweet science of boxing. Now, I,
0: don't, I don't disagree, um, especially considering, obviously alongside that, and we won't get into this, but alongside that, there was another card that we joked about last week, and it was a YouTube boxing, or what, a Misfits boxing card, and that was very gimmicky. You had people coming down the ramp on BMX bikes, and it felt a little bit more like that, and it's not the the professional, quote-unquote, side of boxing you like to see. The argument against it, obviously, would be... She's just having fun. She's got to the position that she has so-called deserved to be. And you can't doubt that at the moment. She calls herself the goat And she's at the position where I've got to myself to the top of the table, top of the, the mountain. I'm going to do whatever I
1: want to do now. So the argument against it, I don't disagree. But... It felt, again, if I'm childish, is how I would say. Now, if they were trying to bring a lot of younger viewers, maybe that potentially makes some sense. I, it just didn't fit with the event for me and I, I just I was a bit baffled and frustrated by it that we've got the most eyes on a f- full female boxing card ever you know the sport uh, 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 the female uh, boxing is getting some legitimacy you know by that the pre- being on Sky Sports and then they had that, and it just felt very gimmicky. And I thought, you don't need the gimmicks. If it was a less important card, you know, it was a one off fight interspersed with maybe a joke card like that. the Misfits, it, it, it detracted away from the seriousness and the importance of that event, in, in my opinion.
0: Reminded me very much of someone like Prince uh, Nazim, which is, again, just to, to go back to that, I don't think it's necessarily that it was women's boxing that this type of thing is. Um, secluded to, but whenever you see that, it's a bit like Floyd Mayweather right? you always get that feeling where if I watch someone do that, I instantly dislike them, not because of you know how they, they set themselves about and how they go about themselves, but if you're taking as you say, one of the biggest cards in the history of boxing, certainly for women's um, sport and, and for women's boxing and then doing something like that forward it does seem like you're not taking it seriously but again, arguing back against myself She's got to that stage. I think she's allowed to have fun.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe I'm being a bit overly critical, but I just thought that I, I completely understand in boxing that there are characters and and showmen or you know people that want to to showcase their their character. By all means, have something going on in the background. I remember Prince Nassim Seem coming in on a, a magic carpet. If you remember that one, and you know you've had. Gionti Wilder's come in oh, before on a throne, hasn't he? Uh, Wilder's come in. So yeah. I, I get that showman aspect of boxing. Her doing the dance moves with the cheerleaders, that was the bit that I didn't get. Having the cheerleaders in the back, i got no, you know, I might, not disagree, I might disagree with it, but I could, that, that, there's the showman aspect of that. Her dancing with them, I was like, what are we doing here? That felt ridiculous to me.
0: I do feel as though we've spent, what, five minutes here talking about <laughs> dancing, which I think it's definitely time to, to swiftly move on. Um, and on that, there was another big card, well, big fight, so to speak, because it was a comeback fight. Obviously, you had Wilder coming back against Hellenius. Um, KO first round absolutely sent him to the canvas, and there was just absolutely no competition there, which is exactly, literally exactly how everyone expected it to go. The issue that I've got with this is a lot of people, and it's, it's mainly American bias, and again, it's their big fighter at the moment. Is that There isn't anyone else bigger in America than Deontay Wilder. So that was a very humbling experience, I think, for them in terms of Tyson Fury outclassing him for three fights in a row. So it's all about him coming back. It's all about promoting him. It's all about making him to the, the big star that he once was and continues to be. But if that had been, and I'm telling you now, if that had been AJ, who has been outclassed by Usyk, goes up against Hellenius, knocks him out in first round, the immediate response you would get, and probably rightfully so would be, what's he fighting this guy for? What is the point?
1: I mean, we, we again, we called it. The only thing, I'll be honest, we didn't call it was quite how quickly. The first round, I think I might have said to you four, four rounds, came in pretty quickly. Um, I mean, we know he's got frightening power. We know that he destroys the vast majority of lower-level competition he fights. It just highlights again the golfing class between someone like helenius and fury that you've got absolutely scored for three fights knocks everybody else out that he fights so in some ways the fact that he knocked him out so quickly has then helped build the even more uh you know interest in Ah, he's great again he's back let's put him against aj i think as you say for me Wilder was exposed by Fury it it, it takes it
0: away from it so just going back to that point there it actually takes away for me the excitement I would have loved to have seen him outbox someone because then I would be like hang on a minute he's brought a new dimension to his game yeah I would like to see uh, him go into bigger fights but him coming out knocking out some we always say don't we bum because uh, he's not really doing anything in his last few years the biggest fighter he fought was white and it was a boring boring fight years ago He's basically knocked him out. That's not a big fight. That's not impressive to me. That's just Wilder going back to what he was doing before he got schooled by Fury.
1: It never, I mean, again, look at the quality of the 45, 46, 47 knockouts he's got on it and wins on his record. 40 of them were not high-level boxers. You know, uh, was it Stavane that took him to, uh, you know, he did, was the only one I think who's ever took him to the distance bar the, the, the Fury side of things. And then in, in the rematch, he sparked him out quick it says far more for uh, for the opposition he's fought and it's absolutely padded you know it's it's he's fought hardly anyone the moment he steps up to a world class talent he gets absolutely owned for three fights so um exposed not interested in reading really... again it, it, you said that you would quite like to see aj uh, wilder again of course i'd watch it you know we we're, we're boxing fans I, i'd like to see it but it's, it's Fury Usyk for me. It's the only fight I'm interested in. It. On that,
0: so just while we were talking about Wilder and just before we go on to the next clown fight that we've got, um, the the most likely thing that you're going to see next is Wilder and Ruiz Jr., which is going to be a final eliminator for Fury's title. Um, so you, you might potentially be looking at, before you get AJ, Wilder, Fury, Wilder, 4, which, again similar to Fury Chizora 3, I don't want to see that. I've got no interest whatsoever in seeing the same fight over and over again when there are so many other potential big fights, quote-unquote, um, that I
1: want to see. And I'll be honest, I'd absolutely love Ruiz Junior to knock him out. Good luck selling Wilder Fury 4. I mean, again, all right, maybe, given Fury seems uh, inclined to take an easy payday uh, these days uh, after the, the, the Chisora fight, I mean, he'd be laughing all the way to the bank and Wilder again, no matter what coaching no matter how good people are trying to hype their own fighters up surely his coach will be saying do not take him on again he's, he's got your number you cannot beat him so let's just try and loop around that the way with boxing you could skirt people you know you can skip the rankings out unless it's some, you know he's not got a title now so he won't have a mandatory defense I mean, if you were were managing Wilder, you're getting him to to skirt round Fury all day long because he's just got his number. I just don't see a way that he can beat him.
0: Agreed if boxing was about fighting the best and trying to get yourself the the championships anymore. But I don't think it is about that. I think it hasn't been about that for years. I think it's just all about money. And Wilder Fury 4 is Wilder's next big payday. He's not really going to get... Unless he goes against Joshua it's the only other one so if it goes against AJ they'll probably sell out Wembley to be quite honest if they wanted to um, or you go do it and, and do it in America and sell out some big venue over there but there's nothing else really for Wilder that's going to generate as much buzz as another title fight which is a sad indictment of where boxing is at the moment
1: uh, one that we again there's a lot of boxing fights and a lot of different cards over the weekend again one that we would be remiss to talk about was uh, Devin Haney versus uh, George Cambosis Jr so that was for the unified lightweight title. Uh, Haney beat him. Uh, and so now is the, the the unified lightweight champ. I don't think he's undisputed in terms of all of them. I think he might have, there might be one belt at, at lightweight that somebody else has got. So I'm not sure he's got all of the belts uh, in terms of being the undisputed. But um, what I did see and I thought was quite interesting. So lightweight, I believe is 140 pounds we were saying the other week purely that sadly if you're not welterweight and above 147 you don't tend to get, uh, garner the the clamour and the attention of, of, of the bigger fighters and particularly the heavyweights once you start getting to 140 you can easily bump up to welterweight and welterweight's where the, the sharks start to circle in the water and what I did see for Haney which I thought was quite interesting he called out Lomachenko now I think Lomachenko's the heaviest he's fought was 135 so he's trying to Entice Lomachenko up, uh, you know, it, it, to get a bit of a super fight, and of course, also lurking around those weights uh, is the monster that we talked about uh, in way as well. So it could get really interesting at those lower weights. I think they'll probably have to come up a couple of weights to to get the attention and maybe get um, a piece of the other lightweight title, the, the welterweight titles that, that are floating around. And of course, once you start getting to welterweight, there are there are some big players in uh, uh, that weight. So. I did think that that was a good fight. Haney looks good. I think he's coached by Mayweather. If I'm not mistaken, he might be Mayweather's protege has a, a very similar uh, skill set to him. But um, he's definitely a name to be looking, looking out for in the future. And him versus Lomachenko would be a fantastic fight. I'd definitely
0: watch that, to be honest. It's one of those that usually in, <coughs> in boxing it's all about. I suppose it depends on the level that you're into in that sense, but it's usually about watching your home-grown talents go and try and unify You know, for United Kingdom for example, so with Tyson Fury and and with um, people like Josh Warrington, so a little bit lesser known, but obviously Leeds lad, so we always support him, but yeah, that'd definitely be a fight that I'd want to watch Crawford is one that I'm keeping my eye on at the moment, I think he's just announced uh, a a next
1: opponent He's at Welter? Yeah um, just having, and a quick... I forget the chap's name. We'll see that we, again, we've talked about before that there would be that would be the fight you'd want to see. Um, Spence, Spence, yeah, Sp- Spence. Spence Um Junior. They're the two. If you could get that at welterweight, and these other chaps that we were just talking about start to move up and get towards that, and start a tie, you've got some big contenders there for some big fights. And again, for the, heavy, the the hardcore fans, fuck all this nonsense that's going on at heavyweight. Get me some of them together. uh, It it gets
0: slept on. I think a lot of people... And again, it's always very key to caveat this with It's completely understandable because the heavyweight division is is the top of the top, isn't it? And that's not necessarily to say that heavyweights are better than featherweights or heavyweights are better than lightweights. But heavyweight boxing has always been the must-watch side of boxing, hasn't it? You're not really... Wanting to, are you not really going to struggle to sell out a big heavyweight fight? Whereas, even if it's a, a title fight or a potentially unified division, it can be a struggle sometimes in lower divisions. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I think uh, if we do ever get Spence um, and Crawford, that's definitely going to be one of those that I think many will tune in for.
1: Agreed. And a final point is while we're talking about boxing, can can you indulge me on an, on another rant or moan here? Well, a, a criticism, maybe not a rant.
0: Is it, is it going to be about misfits boxing? No, no, it's not a fantastic no, not. It, event.
1: So this was uh, something that dawned on me when we were watching uh, the card on Saturday. Is the coverage of boxing is really shit and feels behind the times with technology. And I, I, I have to make these analogies to the UFC because I, I, I tend to watch more of the UFC than boxing, but. You get no stats at all during boxing matches. UFC, for example, you you watch, obviously, we've got the card this weekend. They start to break down for you in in the rounds um, how many significant shots each fight has landed. They'll give you a little, uh, like, a body map where those significant strikes have landed. Is it to the head? Is it to the body? Is it to the legs? You know, they've really embraced the technology that really enhances the viewer um perspective the understanding it brings you to the fight to think jesus he's just taken 20 leg kicks no wonder he's off his lead leg and he's a little bit more reluctant to engage and it, it, it really opens the fight up and i'm i'm sat there watching this the biggest card on women's history there's no stats whatsoever all you get is the round counter in the corner you don't get any 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 add up of the the, the strikes where they've been, the type of strikes is that a jab, is that a hook, you know, is that an overhand right? And it, it just dawned on me just at watching it that week, Yeah, boxing is really behind the times in that respect. Which is a
0: good segue. So, uh, before we do go into UFC, because I know that you're very excited, I can see the amount of notes that you've got in front of you. I know you're excited to talk about this. Um, a very key point and something that I forgot to mention last week as well. Did you see anything about uh, Jabber? Ever heard of this? No. So Jabba is a brand new company. Um, well, I say brand new, they've been around a bit, but they're coming a little bit more to the forefront. They've developed what they're calling the world's first computer vision AI for combat sports, They're calling it Deep Strike. So if I just, and again, I appreciate this is it's all a bit difficult on a podcast to show, and I'll post the, the link on this on our social media page. But just have a look at this. So I'm just showing in a, a video of this. Essentially, the way that this AI works is it determines exactly where you've been punched. Uh, it determines what punch has been thrown, whether it's a, look, uh, a hook, Who whether we, it's oh, a... Oh, this is different. Fights yeah, complete, so, like so basically they're testing it all through history. And again, I'll, I'll put a video of this on our social media page. But this is the way that they're saying they'll change boxing, not only in terms of stats, so a little bit like you're saying, but also in terms of um, judging.
1: How long have they been around? That feels like they've it's I feel, like, new. I feel like they've stolen my idea. And <laughs> I, or maybe I've stolen theirs. Um, but that would enhance the viewing for me significantly in terms of what the punches are landed. As you said, I just think the UFC is fantastic at that. And even in the last few years, they've, they've done that. This is not something that they've done relatively recently. They've been doing it for a while. But it, again, it hadn't quite dawned on me because it's been a while, to be honest. We, 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 again, we're kind of circling back. You very rarely watch a full boxing card. Because it's usually just one or two fights, whereas because this was was the biggest card in women's history, we both were, were tuned in, and we're like, Do you know, what? says what? watch took you know? I think I watched at least. Three three the top three or four fights in a row, and it, and you' then done rather than just watching a one off where you're really involved you're really invested because it's you know a home fight, like say a j or Fury and you're you're more in, interested in the result the viewing experience for me was really garbage i thought at the weekend
0: it won't it won't crack in and again I feel like that's to do with the amount of money that was put into it because it's a it's a boxer event uh, a boxer event on it it's not um
1: you discern or um but I've never seen that on any other fights, whether it's a pay-per-view, whether it's Showtime in America, whether it's... Again, I don't feel that... I just feel boxing doesn't have that ability and maybe maybe what you've just shown me is the that, way to, to open that, that has, door.
0: That is definitely the way forward for me. I mean, that there is... So you look at uh, Showtime, that's a little bit better. They do come up with some stats at the bottom. Nowhere near on UFC scale, don't be me wrong, but significantly better than what you watched that weekend just gone because it was just nothing. It would just basically throw them in, Hopefully people are tune in because of the momentous occasion and it does feel like the women involved were, were sold a little bit short because of that. But again, I can see how eager you are to get off this, smiling there and getting ready to talk about your favourite subject. So uh, UFC 280, finally here this weekend. Tomorrow, actually, depending on when you listen to this, of course. But uh, tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I mean, not only is it the most stacked card that I can remember, probably since... Traditionally, the UFC do a ridiculously stacked card around the the, the centennial sort of card. So UFC 100, UFC 200, so we're at 280. So it's not a a particular number in that respect. But the full main card is absolutely stacked. And one of the real benefits for us, a a nice change, is that it's in Dubai. So it's kind of um, a lot closer to to English time as opposed to when you get these stacked cards. You're usually talking at the the best it might be in in New York. So you're four hours uh, behind but often it's Vegas, so you're like seven. So, you, you know, it's an early morning job uh, and that can sap. You know, getting up at three in the morning to watch a fight isn't quite the same as being able to. to I think the card start, the coverage starts at seven UK time. So we're planning a uh, little bit afternoon.
0: A little bit earlier, so oh, I was looking at this as well, just to check. Because, yes, the the actual main card is, sorry, just to um, caveat that. But I think the pre, is it pre prelims? So, like, one of those, is that how big the card is? But they start at about four,
1: I think it is. I mean, we might still be down the boozer. I'm yeah, not going to lie to you for lie. that. I think, you, it's again... It's YouTube, I think. Um, So, we, we're planning a few beers in the afternoon uh, and then to come back, and then we are planning, aren't we, on doing a little bit of a different uh, approach and a, a double tap for you, which will be a... Um, a breakdown of the UFC probably starting halfway through that first card and um watching the fights and, and giving some some breakdown and, and while we're watching. So uh
0: I'm looking at you in this way, Ian, because you are saying it's gonna be a breakdown and you're acting as though this is gonna be a really intellectual um double tap in which we go into the ins and outs and of of UFC. I am most likely gonna be rat assed, so I don't know what
1: sense you're gonna get out of me. Um... I definitely don't think it will be that. I, I would encourage anyone looking to learn anything not to tune in. It's far likely to be two drunken louts. You fucking hit him. Yeah, flag him. But I like to hope that it might be a bit different. And again, if nothing else, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see what we think. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I mean, again, I've not that I feel like I need notes on this one because I've been waiting, but I've made a few little bits. We are starting from the, the top down or working our way up? How do you um, want to break
0: it? It's, do you, well, do you want to talk about the main star of the show, or do you want to talk about the fights?
1: Um, I've been waiting for you to try and bait me on Hasbulla rocking up in a, a Rolls Royce and the rest. I mean, what an attention-seeking whore this man is! Just you're not ever going to fight. You might be conning the world. You're not conning me. Fuck off and stop deflecting attention away from genuine professional fighters so i'm not even gonna let you bait me or indulge on this so in that case then let's start with the main event so we got Oliveira versus uh makalev for the lightweight title
0: i'm quite impressed i thought you said islam then um because i i thought i was gonna take the easy way out i'm gonna say i'm not gonna risk in his, uh, his second name um yes is this the when was the last time that two people were fighting for a championship that was vacant That's a a fun question for
1: you. Oh, there was another time when a similar thing happened. If I had to guess going back in my memory banks, I think it might be light heavyweight because was it maybe not when John Jones was stripped of it for his um, out of... Page events, if I had to guess, but you could, you've you've stumped me again as you often do on these events. But I, think, I don't even know the answer right, to this, so I'll just point um, it forward. No, no you know, I think, So uh, just to explain on that one, so the reason is, it's uh, it's for the title, but Oliveira is not the current champ because he missed weight in the last title fight um, against Justin Gagey and therefore won the title, but isn't wasn't eligible to win it. So he's the de facto champion. Everybody knows that. This is again one of the things about the UFC that you don't have to have the badges there. He doesn't. The way he acts is why I like Oliveira. know, he knows he's got the title. He doesn't have to uh, have to have the belt around his ring. Everybody judges him. He won that fight very, very clearly. He missed weight by a very small amount. It wasn't egregious miss like like Kamaev's seven and a half pounds. So he is the uh, de facto champion. Certainly in my eyes, he is coming in as the number one uh, on the UFC ranking lightweight rankings because of what we've just said. There is no official champ, so he's number one. Uh, Makalev is number four. Uh, Oliveira is actually number, this is where I've got my little stats written down for you, is also currently number 3 on the pound for pound rankings, so he is coming in and that is the highest ranked pound for pound fighter on the card now Islam is Khabib's protégé fights in a very steamroller-esque manner that Khabib does, if he can get you and ground and pound you and just wear on you wear you like a cheap suit and just pound your face in until you quit he will do, but he has Arguably, better stand up than Khabib ever did as well. So um, that's that's interesting. You've got uh, Oliveira is the most submissions in UFC history with 16, which is five more than the next person on the list. Seeing as you like to ask me questions, uh, can you name me number two on the UFC list with 11 submissions? No, Uh, former welterweight and middleweight. Title Contender Never Held It Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Black Belt? No. Damien Meyer. I oh, put you well,
0: out here, Obviously, I should have got that. Jesus Christ.
1: Um again, maybe if you're a more hardcore fan, wasn't ever a, uh one of them he could put on a snooze festival fight, Damien Meyer, but incredible jiu-jitsu. But yeah, he so that shows you the calibre of of Oliveira's uh, jiu-jitsu. and we've said before in a previous episode, um Mackenzie Dern, who's one of the best women's grapplers in the world, has said that, in her opinion, Oliveira has the best suited jiu-jitsu for MMA in the game. Not necessarily the best, but in terms of effectiveness for what he does, he is a clear black belt and absolutely immaculate. So this is a really good stand-up as well. This is a blockbuster real fight, I'm telling you. Chances of this going all the way, going the distance? Do you know what you, you can? You can. This is one of those. I wouldn't say coin toss, but you can easily make arguments for the method of victory on either side. Oliveira's got great kickboxing. Can he knock him out? Yes. Same as Makalev. Oliveira, sixteen subs in UFC history, the most. Could he sub him easily? Could uh, Islam tap him out uh, or or wrestle and grind him down? Absolutely. Could they nullify each other and you actually get a really boring fight despite it sounding amazing? absolutely so th- this could go a huge number of different ways 11 to 4 to go the distance you, i like a bet but i i, I could i wouldn't even want to throw out there on this one where i'd be going this this could go as you say any number of ways in any number probably on uh, is the most hard to call fight on the card
0: makalev uh favorite as you well know as he's odds on at the moment uh 8-13, uh, to 13. Oliveira 11-8 to 13-8 um, to, to win by KO, TKO, DQ or submission, Makalev just above evens to win by that um, if you want to go decision or TD you've got 12-1 to one Oliveira to win by decision so they're not backing that at all and Makalev 4-1 to 80-1 uh, for a draw if you fancy that I don't think that's going to happen to you.
1: I don't uh, and I tell you, interestingly, what would happen in the draw? Then the title would remain vacant.
0: Yeah, because there's one's a champion.
1: champion. So normally in a draw, uh, obviously the uh, current title holder retains the belt. So yeah, that would be—you'd be a brave man to bet on the draw on this one. But again, it could it could easily happen. But as you said, I'm not even going to make a prediction on this one because it's that close in all the different ways.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, bollocks! Uh, You've got—that's the whole point of this. We've got to put forward predictions because otherwise, how can I be wrong every week?
1: Very true. So Okay, okay, let me play it another way. Who are you going? Because I'll go the opposite. Oliveira. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I feel like I've got to then choose uh, Islam. But um, yeah, again, I'm very rarely set on the fence. You know this, I'm far too vocal with my nonsense opinions, to be perfectly honest. But this would be one I'd be really reluctant to call. But MacAleve it is. I think we've got to
0: put a bet on, just because we're watching it together and we're recording it on the uh, the, the double tap anyway. So... Yeah, I'll I'll go Oliveira by knockout and uh we'll see if we can get that sorted. Um next.
1: Co main event is uh Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw at for the Bantamweight uh title. Sterling is the current champ, um so top top of the rankings. Dillish uh, and also I should say number um uh seven on the pound for pound list, says so the second highest fighter on the pound for pound list, and then we've got Dillashaw coming in at number two in the Bantamweight title. So out of the fights as well, this is the closest according to the UFC rankings. Um
0: Bookies would disagree. So they've got Sterling as nearly a two to one odds on favourite. Uh, Dillashaw coming in nearly two to one. Um just to obviously on a simple bet. Um, this one seems more like we're expecting a decision. I think for Sterling.
1: St- Sterling, at, by default and until his more recent fights, is a wrestler by trade. Tend to be a bit boring and would win a lot of fights by decision. One of those, what I would call, is he's a relatively young fighter. Don't know his exact age, twenty. 7.28 maybe, which is pretty young in the game for you. But he's got an evolving game. So he's suddenly found and started to learn some some stand-up skills and get some power in his punches. So I think he has had a, a couple of knockouts recently, including Petra uh who he won for the title from and who is, is the third fight that we'll come to talk about. Slight point on this one. So mate, we've, got, we've got two different points here. You've got the the angle as well. Dillashaw is very much coming in as the heel on this one, as the, the cheater. Uh, a bit like the the the, the Ben Eubank Jr. Test dynamic. Um, and I saw in the fight uh, the weigh-ins and the fight-offs, um, Sterling running his mouth saying, you know, we're going to test you this. And I saw Dillashaw is a lot quieter than he usually is because he can be a bit gobby. Um, but when he did come back, he said, not only are you going to lose, you're going to lose to a fucking cheater. So he, he's, he, he's playing that up. We've talked about Dillashaw before that he popped for EPO, which is super high level uh, by any stretch on the on, on the, the cheating scale. A slight distraction I saw to this one that again it's, it's as always in this fucking world these days it's not related to the topic but it is. Um, did you see this? So Sterling had taken a lot of flack and seemed to become a bit of a, an enemy, shall we say, in the fans' eyes himself because out in Dubai this week he'd uh, had some photos taken with Andrew Tate. Have you seen um... this?
0: I have and if you remember I was the one who, I don't want to say introduced you to Andrew Tate because that makes it seem like I'm a massive follower of his um, I remember speaking to you about the internet sensation that uh, arrived as, uh, as we always seem to have these these conversations about this um, yeah, I'd, I'd just stay away from it personally, I, I get that it's very topical and people want to talk about this sort of stuff, I always feel like opinions on this just get yourself into hot water. A little bit like this. it has got a photo with it Like Sterling a sudden, Yeah, a photo I has, mean, has
1: resulted in all this. A couple of points on that. You're right, you did introduce me to him because, as we've described before, I'm an old bastard. I don't look at social media like Hasbulla and these internet sensations, as you affirm, so I had no idea who Andrew Tate was. The guy's a fucking tool with ridiculous opinions that he seems to talk about. The more point I want to talk about, nothing related to Andrew Tate, MMA journalists, so again, during the fight week, the build-up when you get the question time, not a single question, it seemed to me, about Sterling, about this is your biggest test yet, how are you going to deal with it? They're just asking about Andrew Tate, and it just filters into this clickbaity y sell the news and what's popular story. Do your fucking job. You're yeah, MMA journalists there to talk about and interview a fighter about the biggest test and fight of his career, not about who he's taken a fucking photo with, so... I've got nothing to say on the Andrew Tate issue. My air my, 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 uh, uh, was drawn on this one, was MMA journalists jumping on the bandwagon of this situation and blowing it up into something. Do your fucking job. I'm not interested about who he's had a photo with. I want to hear how he's going to tackle this challenge. What's he got to say about his, you know, his previous uh, indiscretions of the EPO? Not who he's had photos with. And that, that was the the point I was going to make of. MMA journalists, if you're listening, be better. Do your job. Listen, people don't care about that stuff. Interview the fighters about the fight. I don't think many
0: uh, UFC <laughs> journalists are going to be tuning into this, to be honest. Uh, but it is a good segue because, obviously, Sterling's uh, most recent fights have involved Petri Yan, who is uh, just below this on the card. Um, Sean O'Malley.
1: So fight, Jan is actually the number one contender in the Bantamweight division. So he's the only fighter that separates Sterling and Dillashaw in the rankings. Uh, 13 on the pound-for-pound pound rankings. The final pound-for-pound f- uh, pound entrant uh, on the card. Fighting O'Malley, who you you taught me this uh, fact actually yesterday and schooled me, in fact, if we're being perfectly nice. for I thought O'Malley was a lot higher on the rankings. I had to guess O'Malley might be 7, 8, 5 on the rankings. Number 11.
0: Quite surprising, yeah. I mean... When I, I think we were talking about it yesterday and you said that you didn't expect him to be. I think we, you said four or five and then we we're reading down the list and I think you were looking at me like he taking piss here. Um, so a bit of a strange one because, again, I'm assuming that everyone else in the top ten has been lined up for other fights?
1: Uh, I think so. I mean, so, so O'Malley, just on that, is is a bit of a prospect. Again, young guy. Um, made a lot of money via, again, I didn't even really know about it until uh, Twitch so this is this live. You don't know about Twitch. I and it was O'Malley that kind of turned me on to what Twitch was, but uh, live streaming playing games. Fucking hell, you're old, aren't you? Well, oh, you're fucking a twelve-year-old boy <laughs> that does that. My nephew probably does that shit. But Malley is a bit of a. He's made a lot of money, I think, for, from doing that. Um, O'Malley is definitely a prospect that the UFC are looking to to build. Uh, in that he's he's got a little bit of Connor about him, flashy striker. Got a, a relatively, you know, gobby outlook. Tries to give a, a bit of smack talk. Um, only lost once in in sixteen fights, and he lost to Marlon Vera, who is a is a is a solid fighter. Again, couldn't tell you where Mar Marlon Vera was in those rankings, but he'd be five, six, seven, probably. So better than on on paper than O'Malley. So this is a big test. Throwing him in, in into the number one contender. This feels like it's it, it, it's setting him up for the glory if he can beat him and of course being as Jan's the number one contender you've got to feel that whoever wins this is probably the next challenger for, for Sterling Dillashaw after the title. It's
0: quite clever though isn't it really when you think about it because if you're building up a fighter who's up and coming throwing him to the number one ranked in the division obviously other than the champion, if he does lose it's not really a career ending thing. It's just essentially he's lost against someone who is far more experienced, who has been doing this more, who is a better individual all round. So even if he does lose, there's miles more chances for him to, to come back and bounce back, I suppose.
1: Very true. And that's exactly what happened with Vera. You know, it, was, it wasn't a career ender, didn't push him down the rankings a great deal. It was okay for a decent season pro. And. My own view is I feel it's a little bit early for O'Malley yet. Uh, I mean, Jan is very well-rounded. It doesn't have very solid boxing. Uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of, uh, as a lot of Russians are, very good at probably a Sambo background. so a good wrestler, good grappling skills. O'Malley um, is far more of a flashy striker. Now, as we've seen with Leon Edwards recently and people like that, he, he's got really good kicks, O'Malley, and he'll be hunting for that head kick knockout, I, I, I can guarantee you. But... It feels a little bit early for me, but you're absolutely right. It's a really good point. It doesn't stop his hype train if he loses to Jan and the number one contender. Equally, if he comes out and fucking wheel kicks him uh, with a head count, with a head KO, bang. Puts him straight into uh, contender for for the the winner of Sterling Dillashaw, would be my view. But looking forward to that one. I think that will be two quite opposites matched against each other, as you say. I think Jan, if if he's sensible will be looking, and his coach is telling him to grab him, take him to the ground, pound him out. Uh, O'Malley will be looking to work his, his range very tall for a bantamweight and, and work from distance, uh, particularly his kicks.
0: Again, overwhelming favourite here is uh, Jan, 2-5 to five odds on. Um, strangely, almost evens for decision or technical decision. Um, so they're obviously backing this to go the distance, and if O'Malley's going to win, it's going to be by uh, KO submission.
1: What is O'Malley to win by KO? Nine to two. Pretty decent odds for that. That that would be if we were looking to make. Maybe again, we could always discuss this in, in the double tap we're going to do. Maybe a little treble or something like that for, for 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 picking out some odds. But that would be the shout. I'm I've got honest. I'm su- quite surprised with uh, the decision being evens on because I, I I personally wouldn't see this go in the distance. If O'Malley wins, there's no way he's going to win by decision. He's going he's going to have to knock him out.
0: O'Malley by decision is five to one so it's Don't only Jan yeah, Yan, is,
1: Yan uh, does have even. the power in the boxing to put him away and particularly with the ground and pound. so that, that surprised me that's interesting I, I wouldn't have thought that would be the case but uh, good fight final fight then I've got some some, some notes on and for me it is it, maybe the, the sleeper uh, f- uh, fight on the card is the fourth fight which is um, Dariush who is number six in the lightweight rankings uh, versus Gamrot at number nine <coughs> So both incredibly well-rounded. I think we were discussing this as well on a side note the other day. Dariush is also, I believe, he's on the card, but he was serving as the backup for the main event. So if Olivero or, or Makalev missed weight or there was an injury or something like that, he was due to step in to to fight. So again, another point boxing could certainly learn from, from the UFCs, which is... Um, having that option of a of an alternate i believe they call them officially uh, and and having that there but this the, both guys super well rounded very slept on probably in the rankings they're probably both underrated there uh, again no real obvious holes in their game so i'm looking forward to this one
0: again me being the uh, casual of the podcast do i recognize Dariush as did he beat tony ferguson
1: he did. I think uh, that's he to now. be honest with you, Dariushi is another one of those that hasn't really beat many names, been grinding away. I think he's lost to a couple of higher level names. I think probably the signature victory on on his card was was, was Tony Ferguson. Again, probably doesn't deserve the fight chance to fight for the title just yet in terms of the competition he's fought for. Uh and Gamrot, I think, recently lost to Makalev. Is that right? If you've got if we're Uh
0: Let me just I believe that a was
1: look. a Maybe the main event of a UFC fight night not so long ago?
0: Nope, he's on a four-win streak at the moment. Doesn't seem to have fought Makalev. Right,
1: I got that wrong then. Um, must have been someone else I'm thinking of. But yeah, decent fight, decent fight, uh, that one. Um, Again, definitely has the potential that they could be a snooze fest. Has all this potential and maybe ultimately they're so well-rounded they could cancel each other out. So I say that's the sleeper. Uh, I'm not sure I'd be saying that's going to win fight of the night and going to be a, a, an explosive fight. But technically, I guarantee it will be a very high level and superb fight to watch.
0: It's not like this podcast to hype something up and then it just be
1: absolutely shite at the end. Never happens. Um, I got one more thing. I don't know if you've got any other topics in terms of um, general points on, on UFC. I'm letting thought... you run
0: on this. Yeah, you seem to be very excited this week. So I'm just um, The only other it. one
1: which I felt was very... Um, hypocritical I suppose of the UFC is I couldn't help but when I was having a little look last night to get my stats up of the rankings Um, Conor McGregor number 12 on the lightweight rankings hasn't fought since July 2021 by very clear guidelines the UFC if a fighter is inactive for a year they're removed from the rankings so that's well over a year just cause he's your biggest star, you're gonna start bending the fucking Well, we know they bend the rules for Connor, but I couldn't have but notice. thought, how's Connor in there? But yeah, number twelve on the lightweight rankings, despite nearly um coming up for 18 months on the sidelines, which I thought was say, just worth mentioning. Give him a ring.
0: Get in touch with Dan. Dana. Dana, yeah. what the
1: fuck are you doing? But again, let's be fair. Connor gets what Connor wants, doesn't he? He, he again, they're not are you gonna remove your your prize asset from the rankings? Absolutely not. The only reason I mention that is because I know the same level of inactivity for John Jones got him removed from the rankings. John Jones, for me, is the the goat of all time. So I just that that that's the the
0: goat of all time, the greatest of all time of all time. I, I, that's
1: how good he is. But um, <laughs> I, I, again, I, I, you know me, I'm a stickler for consistency. We talk about it on related topics to, to, to football in particular, and the inconsistencies be better. You know, if, if you're that good or you're that big, which let's be fair, John Jones is not exactly some unknown guy that's just tearing through unknown, um, you know, opposition. He has the best record in terms of opposition anyone's ever fought, if you ask me, in in in, in MMA full stop. He went through a murderer's row and every title defence he, he did, which I believe was 11, was against the most elite of the elite. So I just thought it kind of just a different...
0: He's also the only fighter that I dare slander on this podcast because I feel like you just might walk out and never come back.
1: There's a few, like maybe Anderson Silva. I mean, again, what's ever happened to that, by the way? Anderson Silva. Now only said that Anderson Silva. Jake Paul. Is that just he got organised?
0: Um, I couldn't tell you the date, unfortunately, off the top of my head. But he, I won't never have a bad scheduled. thing
1: said against the spider. So we'll have to see how that fight transpires. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I've got my own opinions. Uh, the GOAT. Oh, it's next week. There we go. Nice. So that's something to watch. But uh, the GOAT is always a subjective discussion. And there's loads of other people you could put in that in, in that conversation. But for me to be very clear, when you look at time and duration, age, he was the youngest UFC champion ever at 23, and the people that he fought consecutively and who he beat, there is no doubt for me that, that Jon Jones is the GOAT. I'm
0: a little bit worried now, actually, because... It could be that in two weeks' time, obviously not next week, but the week after, after, obviously, this fight has taken place between um, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva, we might be in a position where you are the most miserable bastard in any of these... And that's saying something.
1: It ain't going to happen. Anderson is going to tune him up and do what everyone's been waiting to do to him when he fights a proper boxer. And Anderson's not even a proper boxer. But how... Crushed, I'd be that that prick Jake Paul might beat him, and one of my idols as well. That I think that's a topic. If if the if that happens, we need to swerve it. But I'm telling you now, I do not see any way that Jake Paul doesn't get what's coming to him. Do you know how much fight. that
0: fight is in uh, US? How much they're selling it for? Forty nine ninety nine, sixty dollars. What for that fight? Um, you can get it over here. Weirdly. Uh, so you can watch it in the UK through Fight TV and obviously we're going way ahead of ourselves because I'm sure we'll have a lot of build-up and I'm sure you're very excited for that 4am Ream Walks uh, it's going to be 1775 over here
1: as much as I love Anderson I'm not getting up for that I'll watch it the next morning
0: wake up early hours um, of the morning just to watch your hero well, get destroyed by yeah. the he's, problem he, child he's
1: not he, he's just, I, I think this is the hard dose of reality that everybody I think he's bitten off more than he can chew here but um if it's next week, well, that gives us uh, next week that we'll 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 talk about that.
0: It's one of those things as well that I've decided that the way sporting works these days, the sporting world works. Everything that you don't want to happen always happens. So the comeupp- comeuppance that someone like Jake Paul should get at the hands of Anderson Silva, I can guarantee you, is going to get absolutely sparked out, and Jake Paul's going to hold his arms above and all this. Ah, uh, yeah. It's going to be something
1: interesting show in a couple of weeks Welcome to the real world, Jake Paul I think come a week on Saturday but, We'll um, see,
0: we'll see um, Quite a bit on football I'll be honest, I have not enjoyed talking about football for a number of weeks now, um, I'll let you take the lead on this just to start off with because I refuse to go into my own football club and my own football team which is a shambles at the moment
1: Good week for my team then so I can't not so yeah, with a little bit of a smile on my face. Um, Liverpool City, we haven't had uh, to talk about uh, on Sunday, and Liverpool was superb, absolutely superb. I mean, the back five, uh, you know, specifically uh, Allison was fantastic in goal as again best keeper in the world. Bar Alan McGregor, Alan Hutton, you fucking clown! If you didn't hear my rant last week, just made even more ridiculous by his two performances this week superb at the back uh, last week and did exactly what we needed. Van Dijk and Gomez were absolute quality. Got a shout out to Milner given it, he's not a right back and has usually been deployed at left back was superb for his for his age and the performance that he put in. Um did we ride our luck at points? Absolutely. Um you know, did we get a bit lucky that Haaland had a bit of an off day, missed that header. He, de- he definitely should have scored, but that felt like Liverpool back to the party uh this is what we can do let's let's kick on there's the the peg in the ground and let's 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 use that as a springboard for the rest of the season so we then fast forward to what should be by comparison an easiest match at home with West Ham on uh, on Wednesday which again i watched man were we lucky we, i i don't remember watching a game where the better team didn't get anything so west ham were Started to come back into it at the end of the first half. We, Liverpool rode their luck. Were all out. Nunes looked fantastic. Scored an absolutely stunning header, if you haven't seen it. Uh, the moment that ball was, was over the first defender, you think he's on that. And he, he heads it down and into the top corner and the side netting. Absolutely superb header. West Ham started to come back into it. Gomez, what on earth are you doing to give away the penalty? I'm looking at that like all day that's a penalty and it's going to be vired back. It was... Virgil was a little naughty, scuffing up the penalty spot. You had uh, Allison doing what I love to see in football in terms of, I refer to the dark arts, walking out as he's about to take it, pushing his running that close of where he's going to get a yellow card and then made a sensational save and, and, and psyched Bowen out for me. And then in the second half, we were woeful. West Ham were fantastic. Absolutely all over us. And I've got to give a shout. Declan Rice... That's one of the best midfield performances I've seen in a long time. He was everywhere. He's bringing the ball out from the back. He's, there. He's stopping stuff. He's carrying it forward. He's pinging. There was one in particular pass that I think it was helped, if I'm being completely honest by a bit, the wind that was very blustering. Ping like a 70-yard ball on a sixpence. But, um, I think he won man of the match and, uh, and was incredibly unlucky to be on the losing side. But riding our luck would be putting it nicely. But... Winning games we don't play well is a sign of a good team. So six points out of six, starting to feel like rising up the table. So I'll take that.
0: Um, I don't think it changes anything, to be honest. I think City are still going to end up running away with the title. I think Liverpool, you'll probably get top four, but I don't think you'll do much else this season. Um, Arsenal are becoming a bit of a problem, to be honest. Uh, They seem to be winning and winning and winning. And doing a bit more winning and despite everything that we seem to talk about week in and week out, nothing is stopping them at the moment. They they can play teams that outplay them. That's what happened uh, in the second half against Leeds on Sunday. Still don't manage to lose. Still don't manage to lose points. Um, Yeah, as much as we've said and as much as I continue to say, I still don't think that they're going to win the league and I still don't think that they're going to really challenged City, and I think will fall away they seem to be continuously proving me wrong and it's a little bit annoying now to be honest
1: uh, I, I, I agree with you and I can see the point I think they're like a Jake Paul they're flattering to deceive I think they got very fortunate like we said against Liverpool and we're going to go back over, over that and I think they, they would they would admit self they were lucky there they were helped by Tottenham who looked garbage by the way against Man U this week and maybe the wheels are falling off there uh, helped by the red card there have they played anyone decent top four or five contenders apart from them two no now all right they've got two wins over those two which is a good sign you know I, 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 city was supposed to be this week and was rearranged because of um arsenal's game against psv in the in the uefa uh, cup so that is going to be uh, rearranged i still think they're gonna they're gonna tail off and as i say city walk away with it but yeah I wouldn't call them a worry but they still sit at the top each week that goes by Arsenal fans are going to get happier and happier and of course the gap just keeps extending which is a valid point but there's no way they're winning a league no
0: I don't think so I think it it always gets to be in the case of teams like Arsenal at the moment are definitely riding the look to a certain extent that's not to say that they're not playing well I think that they've done very very well watching them against PSV um, was it, was it yesterday i trying to think when they played must have been yesterday, mustn't not it? Because it was Europa League. Um, or it did. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, they, they looked comfortable. They were never threatened at all. And obviously there's been a lot of talk about Cody Gakpo. He didn't really get involved in the game because Arsenal just managed him out of it. They, they looked quite good. Um, and I suppose they're going to keep going until eventually that luck runs out. Or they prove me wrong and just keep winning. Um, Newcastle still looking strong they got another win uh, midweek um and then obviously played uh, manu at the weekend and got a draw out of that and i think manu were quite lucky in that um they do look quite good i'll be honest newcastle and i'd be interested to see where they end up this season they're definitely the one to keep an eye on spurs i don't necessarily think the wheels have fallen off i think they they didn't look good at all against manu and manu were definitely the, the deserved winners of that but just happens, I suppose, in this league. There's always these off games that people have. Um, I saw people calling for Conte out, which is hilarious and upsetting in, in both ways. Um, How very
1: Spursy of fans just to have the ridiculous. best manager for years, the best start they've ever had in a Premier League season, a couple of bad results, and they're calling all of a getting ahead of themselves. What are they Arsenal fans? Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, I think it it wasn't,
0: and this is the, the issue with Twitter it, and it and social media, but. There all seems to be um, a lot of... It's a a small minority, but they seem to continuously start shouting louder than the others, and they always seem to be the loud uh, minority. But, yeah, I I think they'll be fine, and I think Spurs still finish top four as as
1: things go. Um, The one that's slightly depressing is the scum for me, in that... They look quite good, I'll be honest. They seem to be doing relatively well. I mean, again, they they have an exact right... um, Ten Hag won the, the the manager of the month a couple of months ago, and uh, they seem to have done all right. Uh, they are Liverpool. If they win their game in hand, can only go equal on points with Man U. So I think that says probably more about Liverpool' season necessarily than how Man U have excelled. But ticking along quietly and efficiently in some ways.
0: And you look at exactly all the the stuff that they got said about them at the start of the season. Yes, they got humbled a little bit by Brentford but it's an outlier isn't it? and, and realistically they seem to be doing absolutely fine um, for the most part um, ironically I think that the fact that they got humbled by Brentford would add to the uh, the goal difference which would allow you to go above them
1: if you won that game in hand so, well we've got by facto of the, the Bournemouth result we've got our blinding goal difference anyway which is again flatter to deceive but we, would, we will con- have a considerably better goal difference than them
0: the more I think about it I don't think you've got a game in hand at all because I, they didn't play against us so we have a game in hand. We've only played 10. So Manuel have also only played 10.
1: I'm sure because I was looking when Liverpool won. Let's have it, pull it up now. But I thought they played by virtue of playing uh, Spurs that they played 11. But let's have a look. We'll bring it up It'll now. It'll be 10
0: because they missed out when playing us. So they'll be the same amount as the are out. there. You're quite the
1: right. Round. I'll give it to you. So depressingly, that means Liverpool are three points behind the scum. So um, yeah, we need them to lose and we need to win to even go ma- match with them. They are though, again... They've got, an, that tells you more, even goal difference. 15 goals scored, 15 conceded. Liverpool 22 scored, 12 conceded. So, 10 goal uh, difference They're in the they ticking
0: along, like you say, that they haven't looked, apart from the Brentford game, they haven't looked horrendous at all. And Ten Hag has obviously only been there for a certain amount of time. I think that they'll be absolutely fine this season. I don't think they'll get top four. I think they'll be probably looking at Europa League, but unfortunately, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Um, now that we've got a little bit into football and I've come out of my shell a little bit so I don't have to sulk anymore about Leeds a few different things to go over Steven Gerrard sacked yesterday um, seemed pretty much inevitable they are on horrendous run of form a little bit like Leeds a little bit like Leicester were until last night of course Um, Southampton seemed to be in trouble as well Wolves seemed to be in trouble two two different subjects here one who replaces Gerrard Uh, and two we spoke about who would potentially go down. Has your view changed at this point in the season, 11 games in?
1: So I feel sorry for Stevie G. Obviously, always a favourite of mine is Liverpool and, and being groomed to be club successor. Not anymore. I think that's pretty much dead in the water. Um, so, that, that, you know, he's been exposed. Um, they had a good game, allegedly. I didn't see it against, uh, play, outplayed Chelsea at the weekend. We were unlucky on that. What I did see was, it was yesterday, wasn't it, Villa-Fulham. Uh, uh, because I did watch the Leeds match, uh, but that was the earlier kick-off I watched the first half. Fulham absolutely battered him. Villa looked woeful. So it doesn't surprise me. And it felt like it coming in. And if you take a spanking off, off Fulham, then on that run of form, your fate's probably sealed. So um, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, as to who replaces him, uh, I'm not sure on what the direction that Villa might go now. Daesh might be an early say, standout. Do you want
0: a rundown of the early favourites? Uh, go on then. So we've got Pochettino, who has allegedly ruled himself out. So he's one of the people that they want. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Unai Emery is apparently one that they're talking to. I can't see that, personally. Uh, Michael Beale has popped back up again. So current QPR manager has recently rejected Wolves, who made an approach for him. Thomas Tuchel already ruled himself out he's, he's definitely not going to drop down to someone like Villa he's going to be waiting for another big uh club Sean Dyche is definitely there and the other one an interesting one I can't see this happening but it would be quite an interesting one Thomas Frank at Brentford
1: I mean surely Frank seems to again have had a good run there built the team in his image got a lot of Danes over there as well uh can't see that one um I mean, we had dis- if he's if he's ruled himself out since we had a discussion on it. I I, I wouldn't have been surprised if I'm honest for Poch because I think Poch had positioned himself as this elite manager. Kind of the wheels slightly fell off a bit at PSG, and I I said to you, you disagreed with me. You felt he'd never go to Villa. I I kind of felt that he might have to do a bit of a rebuilding job on his career and go somewhere smaller, do well, uh, and clearly whatever job it would would be a stepping stone. Now, if he has ruled himself out, uh, I can't help but feel he's hanging out for uh, Barca's job. Barca's struggling a little bit at the moment. Xavi might go um, if if things don't improve, given how Real are doing well. And Poch is a former Barca player. So he hasn't had PSG. Manu turned him down, obviously, in in favour of Ten Hag. It feels like his options are getting smaller and dwindling by the day. So personally, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Poch had to go to a... In inverted, come a smaller team to a bit of a do a bit of a, a rebuilding job on his reputation uh, before he might get one of those top jobs. But interesting set of contenders for that. The second part of that question, just
0: going to that. Um, any change on who you think is going down? Um, so if I run through the favourites at the moment, you have got Forest, ridiculously odds on heavy favourites to go down. Um, Bournemouth, second favourites. Leicester, third. Leeds, Wolves, Southampton, and Everton in that order. Um, if I tell you that it's that the odds have just gone through a, an absolute cliff, or gone off an absolute cliff for Jesse Marsh to get sacked, is um, now dropped into the favourite to be the next manager. Him and Hassan Huttal uh, are up there. Well, he got so, the
1: dreaded vote of confidence, yeah, didn't he, you? You were did. saying earlier, which is as good as basically. I mean, didn't Gerard get that last week? Uh, <laughs> he
0: did, and Gerard also came out last night and said he wouldn't be quitting, and then they sacked him within the hour, and then sent him on the so uh, that team is... bus home.
1: Ominous for Jesse, but um, I mean, I feel like you've, this is a leading question as well because obviously, I'm sure we mentioned this. I had a bet with you that I thought Forest would do better than Leeds this season and would actually do okay and getting made like a mug there by how shit they are with all the new players. So Forest looked down for me. Uh, Leicester and Wolves occupy the next two, uh and Tesla making up on the table at the moment. Play each you've, other this weekend. And you've got to say on paper there again, no team, and we've heard this before, too good to go down. Surely, both of them on paper are, and I, I feel that Brendan seems to have turned a bit of a corner with Leicester. They're slightly on, on the improvement, and Wolves, depending, um, they've got the talent certainly to turn that around. Now, Villa could depend on that appointment. Villa, Villa could definitely be in trouble. Don't like to say it, but Leeds look in trouble as well, based on, on that. Um, uh, Southampton I would have said looked in trouble but then they pull out a result in the the the, the South Derby against Bournemouth don't they? And, and it spring, springs them up a little bit but Bournemouth are flattering to deceive I, I think they could definitely still get sucked down into it and Everton look garbage to me any team managed by Lampard's going to struggle so. Everton
0: are a weird one because they look horrendous and they will probably be around there all through the season but I just don't see them going down it was same as last season I never really thought that they would end up going down despite the fact that I wanted them to not anything against Everton, and just more mainly Frank Lampard but yeah I don't see him going down I think I'll be honest the more I see this and the more I have to put myself through it every week I, I think Leeds are absolutely plummeting towards championship as it stands
1: it be depressing uh, if it was you know living in Leeds like it, there's definitely a buzz and an air when the, when the team are in the Premier League and you know, uh, I, as much as I like there's to there's rub a in the yeah, there's there a long
0: way to go I think that's the, the key thing here and again I'm, You know me, I am very depressing, and when it comes to Leeds United, they could be top of the league, and I would expect them to, I don't know, go into administration the following week.
1: There were sparks. I, I mean, I, I watched the Leicester match last night. Ar- Aronson impresses me more and more every game. Very tidy player, not tight in possession, keeps the ball very silky. Sinister looks a right purchase, only very, very dangerous. Hit the bar. Um, I'll be. She cut an edge for me. I, I've, I've said all season I like Rodrigo, but um, has his on off matches and incredibly consistent. Bamford's never a Premier League striker for me. Get your goals in the championship. And the fact that it was captain was a bit like, come on, there's got to be better characters in the team than, than, than Bamford. But yes, it's not looking great for Leeds at the moment. But the only thing, if we're having a quick look at the league here, is you are the only team in the lower half of the table that's got a game in hand. So if you win that game in hand, you go to 13th and you'd be. right, only three points away from um, the bottom three, but at the moment you're out of it on goal difference. I'll test
0: your knowledge here because I've just told you that game at hand is against. Scum. Yeah. So uh, we're not winning Uh, Where's
1: that? Home or away? Away. Okay. Yeah, Uh, it's a
0: struggle, so yeah. Ignore that one. It's as if we've got 11 games. Um, I'll quickly run through this because I'm just wary of the fact that we've been sat here for an hour and 10 minutes now. Um, Two last things that I wanted to talk about very quickly. Um, this weekend, we're going to see the imminent arrival of VAR to Scottish football. Um, I, this is completely under the radar to me, as Scottish football tends to do. Um, but it's going to be used in uh, all the, the top games, starting with Hibs versus St. Johnson on the 21st of October. Um, any quick opinions on VAR?
1: No, no quicker. Yes, I've got plenty of opinions. None quick. None Um, that we can run through at this uh, point. Again, none that we haven't detailed, uh, you know, ad nauseum over previous podcasts. It's the consistency. The whole point of it bringing in was to to put in some consistency. Um, Yeah, I'm going to end up. I've been only 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 slightly ranty uh, so (laughs) far today. Less ranty than usual. So let's not bring me on to a rant. So quick answer. No. Okay.
0: Um, just on that very quickly Newcastle have a a net VAR score so this is good decisions to bad decisions of plus 5 this season Um, Liverpool second with plus 2 can you have a guess off the top of your head very quickly, who's the bottom? Leeds it's not Leeds so we're second to bottom with Tottenham uh, and Bournemouth bottom is weirdly Manchester City Okay, so that's an odd one for you Um, the last thing that I want to talk about and I'll run through this very quickly. The notes that I've got are far too much at this point in time. And again, with it being a Friday afternoon, I think it's nearly home time for us. But um, underdogs. So two things that I want to go quickly run through. Union Berlin in the Bundesliga and Burgos in the uh, La Liga 2, I think it's called. Seen anything to do with
1: these this season? Uh, Obviously, Union Berlin are top of the Bundesliga. Do you know that? I read a really, weirdly say that, a really good and fascinating article on Sky Sports about them and how passionate the fans are, how, you know, they've got a couple of very iconic players that have been there uh, for a period of time. I've got Christian Trimmel, I believe is the club captain. Um, Bit of a motorhead by all accounts. Likes his motorbike rocks up in leather gear and shit like that. But they feel a very coining of United team given the name is Union but they, they they are there's no real stars I know they've got a guy I think he was born in Dutch but might be something like Suranese a chap called Becker uh, who is incredibly quick and is a bit of a live wire up front and scoring goals um, but again team of no real stars but shows you what can happen if you get the graft and the work ethic uh, right highly rated manager so seems to be doing very well Urs uh, Fisher in terms of uh, uh, of how he's getting the team to produce. Don't think I would say that they're playing scintillating football. They're not blowing the the, the back doors off. Teams are very uh, solid at the back and then efficient going forward. But yet have certainly, uh, say, read an article a couple of days ago about them and been keeping a keen interest, especially when uh, Sadio has gone to Bayern to win the league and and all all the rest of it. So I've been keeping a bit of an eye on the Bundesliga for that. Uh, I'll be honest, less so of Burgos. So
0: I won't go bore you with uh, Union Berlin because it sounds like you read uh, similar articles that I read, and I think they're on TV this weekend. Weirdly, I think for whatever reason, beat Dortmund think... last weekend. I think they didn't did. They? Yeah, two um, 0 I think it was. But they're on TV against Bochum, um on Sunday, so I, I won't be watching that because it's the same time as Leeds. But um, Burgos, the reason that I picked up on this is weirdly, so they sit top of uh, La Liga two. Uh, they're a very small. Uh, team, they're not very well known Um, managed to reach La Liga 2 after 20 years of competing in non-professional leagues, they went through insolvency, they went through administration uh, got to La Liga 2 last year Um, (laughs) really odd, they all started cheering in the 36th minute of a football match last week, or this week no it'll be been last week Yeah. Um, sporting director there you might have heard of him, Michu yeah, yeah, former... Um, Great player for Swansea, Swansea one-season wonder. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I think Harlan once said that he was one of his heroes, which is always funny. Um, yeah, so they, they all started cheering in the 36th minute of a football match uh, last weekend. Reason for that is essentially uh, their goalkeeper surpassed a record of 755 minutes without conceding a goal at the start of the season, uh, which is ridiculous. So they sit two points off top after 11 games, They've scored eight goals. They've got six goalless draws and they haven't won a game. It's all about survival. They're not really interested in anything else. But a lot of people are keeping an eye on them because they seem to be sticking at the top, getting closer and closer and closer to promotion. Obviously, we're very early on. Um, Wednesday just gone. <laughs> they be Andorra, who is owned by Gerard Piquet, weirdly. okay, um, 16.8% possession. They are one of the... Smash and the grab. Ridiculous, basically, one of the most boring but solid teams in Europe at the moment. Um, and it, unfortunately, they conceded uh, just gone uh, in a game uh, against Mirandes in the 94th minute. So they didn't lose, but they did concede. And therefore, they don't. Uh, they can't surpass the record, I think, set by Madrid... Um, which I think with 13 games without conceding, but yeah, just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a little minnow because uh...
1: I like it, and uh, on that brings us, we're gonna have to wrap, wrap this up now. I think I've just I, I was not I was listening to what you said there, I was just a bit distracted on my phone. I'd said to you, I'll share with the listeners, that um, despite our big day of beers and the UFC tomorrow, I'm going Muay Thai training for the first time with one of my mates tomorrow. And it just dropped on me that I've got to be there at half seven in the morning. So <laughs> half seven in the morning, early on one of my days lay in to get my face smashed in. And how much so, does that cost? 20 quid for <laughs> some personal training and then um, getting my mate going to light me up because I'd definitely do the same if the opposite was the case. So we definitely need to wrap this up because I need to go home to bed if I've got to be up early and we've got a big day tomorrow. Yeah,
0: battered in uh, Muay Thai and then battered in drinking as well. But uh, yeah, as always, thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week.